You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hi, guys. This is your host again, Dr. Alonso Osorio with the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast and Osorio MD. We're back reinitiating our experiential and motivational recordings. Dr. Cirilo Arrujo. Welcome, Cirilo. Dr. Osorio, I'm a, I'm a pleasure again to be part of this. Cirilo the standards are so high. The way I compare this is being a top player in the professional tour of tennis. I mean, you feel that you belong, feel that you can perform, feel that you can commit and work as hard as they do. And once you're part of that culture and you're within the people and you're rubbing shoulders with the best, there is only an opportunity to probably get the best. And some people don't want to put the effort necessary to get it accomplished. Maybe it's a, maybe people say, oh my God, how you get that done? How do I do it? You know what? Nobody told us. Or if somebody helped us, it was just a little bit, but most of the effort probably came from, your, from yourself within your own personal motivation. So you made it into the fellowship of Body Imaging Fellowship at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So that's a how many years fellowship? One, two? One year. One year. One year. So let's summarize your career path so far. So radiologist board certified in Brazil. You found a way to initially come to the research fellowship with a research J1. And then you did your adjustment of status while still being here in the United States to get a traditional J1 to do your body imaging fellow in Philadelphia? No. So I did the status adjustment from the B1. visiting, yes, so B1, B2, from the to visiting, a J1 research. to a J1, and then I applied for the waiver for research waiver, and I got granted, but because thinking that I would come straight from that uh, research fellowship into a clinical fellowship, but no, because most clinical fellowships, ACGME accredited, they accept people one year or two years in advance. Wow. So I had to stay in Brazil for one or two years, and then I was looking for an H1 sponsored program, fellowship program, right? So I stayed in Brazil between 2006 and 2008. I got the acceptance from Thomas Jefferson in 2006, right? Now you see like maybe uh, towards the end of 2006, they accepted me for the fellowship yep. starting July 2008. Yep. So with the H1. Visa. You had a gap to explain there. <laughs> yeah. So that gap that I stayed in Brazil, I joined a private practice group in Annapolis, which is a city, is a rural area in Brazil, doing everything. Again, from interventional radiology to neuroradiology. And as you know, and doing a lot of ultrasound, 
on my own. There yes. was no sonographer. So yes. I got a lot of exposure and a lot of uh, hands-on on a lot of things in radiology, which helped me a lot. And one of the things that I can tell you that, that never be afraid of work because I was the single one. There was nobody else to do what I was able to do. And there was so much work. And I would just dive in and work, 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 and get as much experience from work, you know, and that was my first experience working as a radiologist. And it was very, very rewarding. And then there's another thing. That's when I met my wife. So that two-year period was very important. So that <laughs> two-year period that I came back to Brazil. You met Carol. Uh, I met Carol. Yes, I met Carol. So I met Carol in that two-year period. And I told her, I would come back to the United States because they're waiting for me there. You know, that, that was my mindset. They were waiting for me. So it's not depending on me anymore. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, so yeah. You I had no option to stay in Brazil, even though people were trying hard for me to stay in Brazil. You know, and I said I had already a commitment and I accepted. And I'm very straight on things that I, you know, made decisions. And I made that decision that I want to come here and finish that fellowship, even though I didn't know if I would really stay after that fellowship wow. in the United States. And it was in the middle of the crisis in 2008. Financial. You know, the house, the yeah. uh, house market crisis. Yes. So it was not very hot here in the United States. It was a, a lot of uh, business were closing. Same. A lot of uh, the house market was collapsing. So um, I still made it back, but I had to come back, you know, uh, engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet a Latin American, a Brazilian woman wouldn't make that jump across the ocean just to be here with no commitment. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's so funny. So yeah. you, you made the commitment and I bet you made a lot of money during those two years that you were there and you saved, you saved, you saved, you saved. Exactly. And that, that was uh, it. I saved during that two year period. I just saved. I know that before you came in, you had to go to the Colombian, uh, the American embassy in uh, Annapolis or in Brazil to get your new J1 to be able to cross the border, right? So um, like when I did the, the adjustment of status, that was when I was in Boston. Yes. I didn't have to leave the country. When I came yeah. back to Brazil. To exchange and, the research J1 for the J1 for the waiver. No, I didn't. I didn't take the regular, the traditional J1. I was okay. just the researcher okay. J1. And that was it. And then they expired. When I was, when I was back in Brazil, they expired. So wow. I got a brand new H1. Got it. So now you brand can go to I went to the embassy. Yes. I went to the embassy in Brazil. They stamped my H1B, you know, visa. And then I was able to come to Thomas Jefferson under H1B. It's giving me goosebumps because they're so hard to come by. Yeah. You know, it's it was, a it was, it was like, again, preparation, meeting, Opportunity. So they had the H1 visa available at Thomas Jefferson and they were looking for, you know, someone. And again, when I came for the interview, for example, for the fellowship, you know, I was already working in Brazil and I, okay, let's go and I'm going to travel to New York and then go to Philadelphia and do my fellowship interview. So I met one of the attendings that would be my attending, you know, someone that interviewed me and uh, she really got interested in me, I think because of my, you know, willingness to work 
in a group and give my, my best to the group. And even she, she called me when I came back to Brazil, she called me on my cell phone and said, how interested are you? Are you really interested in coming? And, um, uh, and I said, yes, I was working in a hospital and someone calls me from international letting me know already that they accepted me. And yeah. I was so thrilled that uh, she did that. And I was looking forward to working with her. And when I came to the US to do the fellowship in 2008, she had moved to UPenn. She was at Thomas oh. Jefferson, she moved to UPenn and I was not able to work uh, with her. Well, but uh, she was another angel in the path. So you, you finish your fellowship in Philadelphia and then, then what, what goes on? I know that you're pretty busy in between 2006 and 2017 and there is a lot of uh, moving across from big cities, and then you end up in Mississippi. How doctors Cirilo Arujo moves from makes that move? What led to the move to Mississippi? Okay, back in two thousand and eight again. It was not a, a very hot job market, right? So, uh, and uh, I, I I remember and remember one of the pathways where I need to do four fellowships or four years worth of fellowship in one institution. Wow! It needs to be in one institution that has ACGME accredited residency program too. No Not only kidding. the fellowship, but the, the, the residency. The fellowships, they don't need to be all ACGME accredited. It was a bonus because that would help me getting licensed in different states in the United States. If you have you know, formal training under ACGME, that will be good for you. But the fellowships, all of them, they need to be all ACGME accredited in order to fulfill the, the pathway for the boards. So what I did was, okay, I went to my chairman at Thomas Jefferson Radiology Department. I told her, oh, I need that commitment. And usually they sign a letter, commitment letter. They were going to offer me at least four years of worth of fellowship. So you, that you can change it to the immigration Yes. People. So I went to her and she offered me uh, to stay on faculty as an emergency physician or emergency uh, radiologist. Uh, radiologist. And I said, great. So then I was finishing my, one of my shifts and then walking during the Philadelphia winter, walking home and someone like evening, I think it was a Sunday, a headhunter calls my cell phone. One of those websites that you put your name yes. and that you're looking for and you yes. specifically say what you need in order to be able to stay here. So my criteria for a job would be the program needs to accept me for a four-year pathway so I'll be able to be board eligible in an academic center that has an ACGME accredited residency program in radiology. And this guy calls me out of the blue and tells me, hey, Cirillo, how are you? I saw that you put your, your interest in, in the website. Yeah. And then he's told me, I have two options for you. And I think where I know where you're going to go. Anyway, so one option was uh, Jacksonville here in Florida. And the other option was Mississippi. It was the uh, UMMC, University of Mississippi Medical Center, which is in Jackson, Mississippi, but it's part, it's part of the uh, University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, which is in, in Oxford, Mississippi, but the medical center is in Jackson. And then, okay, I will accept. And uh, they offered me a, an interview. In February, I think it was that was around February of uh, 2009. Yes. And I went down there to check it out, you know, to see. I've never been in the Deep South before in, in the United <laughs> Deep States. South, yeah. Correct. So, 
that was the story. And, and, and actually, I will tell you what sold me to go there right away was I did not need to do the four-year fellowship. Wow. I had to do four-year commitments, but I would join the faculty. Whoa. So they will accept me not as a trainee anymore, but because of my, my recommendations, because of my experience and their needs, you know, they needed someone well-rounded, right? So yes. I would do everything and I would stay as an assistant professor. And, and then I went to see one of the other options for the boards, not only is the, you know, the, the four-year uh, fellowship training, fellowship training the other option would be do your residency all over again in the US. Oh and the third God. one, which is rarely happens, is you are hired by an academic department as a faculty, and you're going to be teaching residents, ACGB wow. accredited residents. So that's what happened to me. Again, the preparation meeting the opportunity. So they offer me on the spot, on the spot, they offer me, and I, and of course, my salary would be much different. Yeah, much less. If, if I would Absolutely. do the fellowship versus. versus the faculty. Yes. I would be a full paid employee of the university and not a fellowship trainee wow. yeah. at the university. So 50,000 versus 250K or whatever you make in teaching. Yes. Uh, so it, that was, I mean, and I said, I can't say no to that proposal right so i would be teaching residents which i uh, that's i i loved and and one of the uh, reasons for that yeah, was when i was training in brazil it was a heavily academic place i would give lectures i would prepare lectures every week and give lectures to the residents in my hospital in brazil every week so i was used to that pace you know, yeah. uh, and not in English, but then I was more, you know, let's say used to the system and everything after finishing my fellowship, my clinical fellowship. And then I joined there and the chairman offered me the four-year commitment and I sent it to the board, the board accepted. And then I started my four-year commitment, like, you know, four years, but instead of being a fellow and earning fellowship salary, I would be earning uh, faculty salary. salary attending salary to our listeners what is more remarkable about this, his motivation is the fact that out of 100 people that could start this career path and this race you know they say in everything only one percent accomplishes the goals but i would say perseverance you know meeting the effort meeting the opportunity and the doors opening is just because you keep pushing so just keep pushing do not ever give up it doesn't matter the limitations the locations the weather the financial constraints you just never know when an angel or an opportunity are going to come across when someone is going to call you on a sunday after finishing your fellowship asking for a position in mississippi that is going to actually grant you the opportunity to bypass four years of training to become a faculty for four years fully paid in the deep south of the United States. That's just mind-blowing, absolutely crazy. And that's why I found your, your, your whole pathway 
really interesting to be shared because people are not willing to make the commitment and they're so afraid. What if, what if, what if, what if? And that fear never leads you to really take the risk like, like what I'm doing right now, just moving across the country to start something new with my family and leaving everything behind. I don't know. But we'll I need see. to explain to you, I moved to Mississippi but I have to be married this time. <laughs> <laughs> she told you that. So you went back to Brazil, America at all, and yes. came back to Mississippi. Yes. So I came back to Brazil, got married, and I brought Karen with me to Mississippi. Poor thing. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. But uh, you, probably gave her, you probably gave her a good life in, in Philadelphia. You probably gave her a very good life in Mississippi as well, right? Yeah. So one thing that was um, very interesting is that you know, the pace of living in Mississippi is much different than big cities. It's a rural area, you know, a rural state, and uh, it's a hospitality state. You know, it's a hospitality state. There is a, the, they are very welcoming folks there. And the other thing is the sense of community. Because you don't have a lot of international and not a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know. Immigrants. Immigrants. The ones that you find, you create kind of a Network. community. Yeah, a community. So, and you feel like I think that's when you talk about the tennis community. You, you know, it's something that you feel like you belong. Yes. When you're in the team that you feel like you belong, you perform well. Yes. You just perform well. You know, like in tennis, in anything in in life, if you have that sense that you belong and you're contributing to that to that group or that community, you realize that you're part of it. It is. It brings you a sense of fulfillment. And that's what brought me that sense of fulfillment in Mississippi. And it was a slow pace. I was able to have my three kids there. Cute. My wife still to this date talks about Mississippi no and how, how of a good life you we have. had there. There, yes. And she still talks to this day how good was our life there. It's still good here in Tampa. Don't get me wrong. But it's a different type of town and a, and, and a different pace with the kids as well. So raising little kids and, you know, how it is and having the time to spend with them and not in traffic, for example, it was, it was wonderful. There was no traffic, you know, there was no, I mean, you know, it was, it was great. It was great. The Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast is proudly sponsored by nextdaypodcast.com. As I said, nextdaypodcast.com. They provide podcasters like me with affordable podcast editing services with 24 hours turnarounds. You simply send them your raw recordings and they do the rest. If you're not podcasting right now at this moment, check out their amazing podcast launch packages. I'm one of those that is extremely satisfied. And if you use the promo code Medical next day, that's medical next day. You will receive 10% of any of their services. Again, that's nextdaypodcast.com. So you have very successful years that obviously seems that you enjoy quite a bit. You were there from January 2006 all the way up to December of 2017. What led to the move to Tampa? What motivated you to be closer to an airport rich in Brazil, to be to an ideal job, the combination of uh, private versus educational? I don't know. 
I was in Mississippi when I finished my fellowship in 2009. Yes, sir. I started there in August 2009, and I left Mississippi in 2017. So now I stayed there. I was really happy there. One thing that we used to do was going to the coast, you know, to the Panhandle, and spending time summertime there. And then the other thing would drive to Orlando to Disney, and I would meet you know my wife's family, my in-laws, and her brother in in Orlando. Usually we would do that every year. So that's how, and sometimes or every, every two years would fly to Brazil. So in the summer of 2017, we did that. We came straight to Orlando. And then on the way back to Mississippi, we stopped in Orange, Be- in, in Orange Beach, which is a, a beach in Alabama. And uh, my wife told me, why don't you start looking? Because, you know, I'm, I'm missing my family and, and we're driving back to Mississippi and we don't have family here why don't you look around uh, in Florida or closer so we can be closer to the family there? And in that year, the following year, her brother was moving to, to Orlando. And I said, okay, this is, this is a major shift, right? Major decision. So I looked at online for jobs here and I sent my CV to two places yeah. in Florida. That Sunday, we, we came back, you know, on, on a Friday, we stayed Saturday on the beach, and then we came back on Sunday. And when I got home, you know, at night, kids are sleeping. I send out my CV or application for just for, for curiosity, yeah, yeah, to two places Jacksonville Mayo Clinic, Jacksonville, and Moffitt Cancer Center here in Tampa, Florida. And um, the following week, the chairman at the Moffitt, uh, the radiology department, Moffitt Cancer Center, calls me to see if I was really interested in the position. Wow. And then I had to discuss with my wife, right? Because now we have a real, we have a real opportunity here. And again, you know, the experiencing meeting the opportunity. And I told her, look, the kids are almost getting to, you know, kindergarten and first grade. We're going to be close to your family. And I don't think that we need to make, you know, it's going to be hard for us to make a decision. Let me go there and do the interview and check it out. So I came here and, uh, and, uh, and I interviewed for the position I really liked. You it's know, a fantastic place. It's a great place. You know, the culture, you know, the work that they do for cancers throughout, not only, not only in Florida, but the, there are people that come, uh, you know, From throughout the world, world. Yeah. to be treated here. It's amazing. It, it is truly amazing. And again, being part of that, it's to me was like calling. It was yeah. truly a calling. And then, you know, without telling my wife, but she knows now, <laughs> I signed the contract. No way. I signed oh, the God. contract. I told her, look, I, we need to do this. I signed the contract. When they sent it to me, I, I mentioned to her. She said, yes, we need to, to do this move. But she didn't specifically say sign the contract. So, but I signed it and sent it back. Yeah. The night she said, we need to make the move. She said wow. that we need to make the move. And I signed a contract, sent it back. And then a week later, she said, what about the contract? Are we really signing it? <laughs> I, I, or three days later, she said that. They, they send the, the contract. Are you, are, you sell, are you signing it? And I told her, yes. <laughs> we, we're moving. We're moving. Our, and then our start date would be December 2017, the same year. 
So crazy. And that my story you now coming to, to Tampa, Florida. Oh, now, yeah. I, before I, I, I say the, the move, we, we came already, we were green card holders, right? So when I was in Mississippi, I transferred my H-1B from, from Thomas Jefferson that I had. I was able to transfer to Mississippi, the H-1B, and I applied for, for the green card, right? So I applied for the green card while I was there, and I was granted the green card while in Mississippi. That's a very interesting path, too, that many people probably should be aware. I mean, I think the easiest way to obtain a green card without having to come back to to your native country now is getting an H1 and the H1 definitely allows you to have that. And and the length of the H1, I think is every two years gets renewed, right? Yeah. I think there is up to six years, six to eight. I, I'm not sure. And on it that. gets tricky because then you need to find a job and so forth. So go back to our podcast on uh, immigration law, contact Mrs. Gret Siskin. If you want to find out about recruiters, like he did and I did, you know, go to the previous podcast on recruiting. We have a little bit of everything for everybody because there's so many little caveats and tricks that you just kind of learn on the go. But, uh, you know, that's that's why we, we're here to share all this kind of information. Cirilo, you and I have shared so much information over the last 45 minutes to an hour. And I think we actually touch on every single topic that I wanted to speak to you about. Definitely. What people worry the most is like, oh my God, if I'm a radiologist in Colombia or if I'm a radiologist in India, how, am I, how can I become a radiologist in the United States? And I have one specific follower that wanted to speak with a radiologist on the show. And now he's going to be more than grateful to hear your personal experience because it's unique and perseverance and just keep searching for that, for that gap is what led you to be a successful board certified radiologist in the United States and with so many degrees behind your credentials. And right now, obviously, an associate professor for the Morsani College of Medicine at USF and a senior member of the Department of Diagnostic Imaging and Interventional Radiology at Moffitt Cancer, Cancer Center here in Tampa, which is one of the, our, our most prominent, if not one of the, the, the most prominent uh, cancer institution in the Tampa Bay area and the surroundings. Anything else you want to tell anyone that is right now in Brazil, India, Australia, the Middle East, South America, the Caribbean, Canada, that should know or would be your tip of advice if they want to become a doctor in the United States? Uh, yes, I would tell them, you know, to never give up. Have first, have a plan. Because, you know, each each individual is different. You have your own, you know, family, your own, you know, financial situation. You need to have a plan. Have a plan and then have a plan B too, you know, in order something doesn't go uh, exactly the way you wanted. So it's always important to do, to have a plan and do your research on the specialty that you want. You know, if you need to do a residency again here, I don't have much experience with that. So, but I can, I'll be available if they can contact me uh, through you. Please tell them to contact me through you and, and I'll be more than happy to help them with the pathway after you have a board certification on your own country. Never give up, you know, grit. It's very important, you know, perseverance. Be really, really willing to do the job. Willing to do the job. Take all the opportunities 
take all the opportunities that uh, that are offered to you. So you're going to open doors. You're going to find stuff that you would never have found if you haven't, you know, taken the chance. So take the chance to to do that. And, and help me here. I read a book that as we get busier in life, you have to learn when to say no. But I think there is a time in our lives that we need to say, yes, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Because we, as immigrants with an accent, coming from a weird country, for a, from a small town, people sometimes just kind of wants to dismiss us because of that, the way we look, the way we speak, the way we talk, we're more colorful, more outspoken. But if you say yes, 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 and commit, I think it makes a difference. So I'm not much of saying no right now, probably say no, because I'm busy to spend time with yes, my family exactly. and kids. But back in the days when we had no worries or concern, I didn't give a crap about staying late or working crazy hours or going to crazy towns or small uh, areas of the, the, the United States. I didn't care about that. But uh, um, yeah, and, and always be authentic and with higher ethics. You know, uh, prove that you're capable of first, get their trust, you know, be authentic, be authentic, you know, use your skills. Like, for example, okay, I, I know how to do ultrasound well, because I've learned it, how to do it well, that anybody else can do it here in the United States. So find that niche that you need to, to, to fill, you know, and tell them, look, I can do this, just give me the opportunity and I will prove it to you that I can do it and not do it just for doing it. Do it and do it well. Yeah. Do it and do it well. And they, they will learn that and they will appreciate they're doing that and they'll give you a lot of credit for that. Listening to you and, and listening to me and I, I kind of told my own story, but this is one of those conversations that I would like John or your oldest or youngest daughter to kind of listen to because they don't really have a clue how good they have it these days and what were the struggles that daddy had to do from make it to, from Goiânia, Brazil, all the way here to Tampa, Florida. It's just years and years of great perseverance and resilience. Yep. I, uh, I totally agree. Let's record this, send it to me <laughs> I'll, I'll, when they're struggling to go to college or, or university, I'll play to them. <laughs> or, the, or if they feel like giving up. Well, Dr. Arujo is not only a physician, he has other business uh, entrepreneurships going on. He's always so busy, but he comes across as a happy, energetic guy. And this is what we want to communicate. I hope that everybody was able to gather a little bit of advice out of this interactive and dynamic conversation. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you put questions out there and I sent you a big file, but I think as things kind of move along, we got to talk about everything that I wanted you to share with our listeners and with me. So I really appreciate that you got to get this done today and before I go to work and that you took some time of your busy life to share your, your personal life. Let us get into your house and, and, and let these 24,000 followers be aware of what we're doing. And, and I just want to keep them motivated. So thank you so much. Dr. Osorio, your, your, your history is impressive too. I'm glad to be part of it now that you invited me to, to your, you know, your pack. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, honored and uh, I'm at your disposal. So if you need me just, um, or anybody in your group, let me know, I'm uh, willing to help. And again, uh, just to let your group know again, 
you know, it's very important here when you're coming to America to help and to improve the healthcare outcomes in the United States. So yeah. we are in need of people, creative people, innovators that can make a difference in the healthcare system. We don't have the best healthcare system, you know, uh, in the world as based on the outcomes. Correct. You know, it's very expensive, but we need to be creative. We need to, to get people that come here with a different mindset. And I think you reach that, those folks that come from, from international That's our goal. Different countries that they have a different mindset. You know, they're not a part of this mindset when you get in here and bring new ideas, bring innovation. And I think this is the next frontier of healthcare in the United States will be the change in how we practice medicine here and how we improve people's life. Well, that was the last question. How we see the future of IBMDs in the United States. Right now, things are looking grim because of all the changes that are happening. Many people are really giving up. They're not having any motivation. But, you know, I think the future is brighter than ever. And I don't think uh, a few bumps on the roads that are influenced by political uh, or pandemic situations should deter us from moving forward and moving along. I think next year and a couple of years from now, when things go back to pretty much essentially normal, I hope uh, you all guys get your ducks in a row and, and, and never give up and keep your motivation coming. So yeah, leave us I feedback, agree. right? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, you know, uh, you know, ups and downs in our specialty, in, in, in our field, we're always going to have it. You know, we reinvent ourselves. You know, like in 2008, when I came, it was like very bad too. You know, we didn't have the pandemic just yeah. to talk to the icing on, on the cake, right? But it was really bad. The job market was not uh, very good. And I think, uh, as you said, uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic as well. There are a lot of things changing in healthcare. The digital world is, is, is changing. Absolutely. And, and we will need to change the way we educate, you know, the next uh, physicians, next generation. And, and I think will will happen, you know, and, um, but the most important thing is, you know, your focus needs to be improving people's lives, imp improving outcomes, you know, whenever you need the healthcare system and customer service kind of saying, you know, like, you yeah. know, the same, same thing that, you know, you have in a hotel chain that you need to serve, you know, our patients and put them at the center of care. I don't know when, you know, we're going to have that, you know, big change. I think we're in the middle of that change. And there are a lot of things, as you said, political forces and uh, that's going to happen. But I don't think that you need to be discouraged by that. And, and I'm, you know, I'm an optimistic. Like, even if, if, the, if the, the situation is grim and not looking good, just turn it around, twist it the way you want to make your mind see the bright spot and then just follow it. That's how you need to do it. In life, I, that's the, the mindset that I have in life, even though, I mean, you, you, we have all setbacks, right, in life. So just look for the bright spot, learn from the mistakes, learn from life. You know, you're going to learn from life. You're going to learn from your mistakes, learn from it acknowledged that you made a mistake or acknowledged there was a problem, there was a setback, learn from it. 
and I'm I'm a I'm a big quality guy in healthcare as well. So I I got involved with quality while in Mississippi here in Tampa. I I am the director of peer learning for the physicians. So we are just humans. AI is coming to help us, not to confront us. I hope that's yeah. my optimistic statement there. Artificial uh, intelligence, yeah. Artificial intelligence is coming to augment our capacities to help us. You know, like in the ER, for example, you have artificial intelligence already uh, uh, for scheduling, probably for for a lot of things happening. It won't replace certain functions that we are best at cognitive functions that we are best at, but it will give us more time to do what we do best with interaction, talking to patients, interacting, uh, showing compassion or compassionate care, you know, that you're not, the, the patient's not going to see a machine, but we'll be there. I think we will have the role, a very important role in, in the future. It's going to be different. I'm sure it's going to be different, but that's the mindset that we need to have, I think. This is gold. Cirilo, everybody probably will be asking how old you are because you keep the passion and the motivation is still going. So you said this doctor might be a brand new doctor just doing it for a couple of years. <laughs> how old you are now? I'm 43. And you've been a physician, graduated from your medical school for 20 years now. 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And I came to the U.S. in 2008, in 2001 for the internship in Miami and then more... And I stayed here more definitely, definitively since 2008. Yep. Well, guess what? I'm super pumped up, super motivated myself. I think I'm going to just have a fantastic day today. Cirilo, again, thank you very much. You rocked it. And Thank uh, you, Dr. Osorio. I'm a, I'm a pleasure again to be part of this. I'd like also to say a few words about who walks the journey with you or alongside you. It's very important from getting the right mentor to help you through the process and having as well a family support as I am glad and, and very fortunate to say that I had my wife and kids that supported me throughout my career and is supporting me. So I'm very, very grateful from my uh, previous mentors and my family, especially my wife and my kids. Thank you so much. It's awesome. To our followers, if you want to contact Dr. Arujo, get a hold of me. I'll pass it on the way. So remember, info at osoriomd.com or alonsojosorioyahoo.com and go to osoriomd.com. Keep listening, keep sharing, keep watching, and uh, have a happy 2021. We're going to get over this. Thank you. Thank you.